So you two um dig up dig up dinosaurs? <laughs> well. Try to. <laughs> You'll have to get used to Dr. Malcolm. <laughs> This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies, all for you. Why, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, also known as the IPC. And we are broadcasting live right here on channel 1138.com and also coming to you through the power of of iTunes and Google Play and StarWarsUnderworld.com. And yes, we have another rousing episode for you guys tonight. We're going to be talking about something completely different. Of course, The Rise of Skywalker is coming. Star Wars is upon us. Everybody's talking about it, but not us tonight. You know, we're just not going to do that. We're going to talk about Goldblum because Jeff Goldblum is the man. And we're going to be talking about all about him tonight. Before we get into it, of course, introductions are in order. If you are new to the program, my name is Ben, and joining me, as he always does, is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Zach Garnold. Zach, what's going down with you? you? You say that I've always been around, but I've been on hiatus more often than not for the last You've couple of months. been with us in spirit. Let's just, you know, just, just leave it at that. I, 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 have, I have been supporting you guys from afar, and... Actually, uh, quite literally, every time I was broadcasting a football game, I had like reader plugs for uh, for the IPC podcast, and I would read those probably like uh, four or five times a game. So I was definitely with you guys in spirit through the whole season. You want me to read what I what I was saying on the on those things? I have like I, a little, I have the little prompts up in front of me. Uh, let me see. I wrote this myself. From Star Wars to Star Trek, from Marvel to DC, the IPC podcast discusses and reviews pop culture movies from all eras and can be heard on both iTunes and Google Play. The IPC podcast, all the galaxies, all for you. Nice. And then I had another one that I would do during the second half that was a little worded differently. Um, tonight's broadcast is brought to you by our partners at the IPC podcast. Listen to their weekly show as the guys discuss pop culture news, review movies, barbecue, and so much more. They can be found by a Google search or by going to Apple Podcasts or Google Play. The IPC Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Well, maybe, maybe a few of you listening right now may have found us through those little advertisements. And if so, welcome aboard. Yes. And uh, thanks for spreading the good word while you were out, Zach. Yeah, dude, I had a lot of fun doing that, but it's always nice to kind of return to your roots, if you will. And uh, it's 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 cool that 
you know, there were there were some some similarities and some crossovers. You know, I had the opportunity to do a whole lot of talking on that program, and I get to do a whole lot of talking on this one. And I get to talk about something that I was really passionate about, or still am really passionate about, which is, you know, uh, athletics, uh, sports, football, that kind of thing. And tonight, get to talk about something else that I'm really passionate about, which is this living legend named Jeff Goldblum. I mean, he, he's been in so many great films. He's made appearances in so many TV shows. The man is just an enigma, if you will. And... Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's it's so funny because he he was he was in a, in an episode of my favorite TV show Friends, and he was what was it what was it he was in he was in something else, and then I just saw on his Instagram that he filled in for James Corden on the Late Late Show the other day. Really, I. Sorry, I missed that. I need to go find it and see him interviewing other people. And like doing a stand-up routine and that kind of thing, like Goldblum hosting a late program. Oh my gosh, uh, that's a show. That's a late-night show that I would actually watch. Maybe I, I would. I would watch the heck out of that. I don't stay up late enough for Jimmy Fallon, but I'll watch his stuff on his Facebook page after the fact. He is probably the only other one that I would actually watch. But if Jeff Goldblum had his own night program like that, oh my gosh. But the man's busy enough because he's got yeah. the uh, the Disney Plus original documentary hosted by National Geographic called The World According to Jeff Goldblum. And he's had some interesting adventures. He went to SneakerCon in his first episode. He learned about ice cream in the second episode. The most recent episode is about gaming, which I haven't had a chance to see yet. But uh, we're actually going to talk about one of his other episodes uh, in the second half of this podcast. So if you are on Disney Plus and you haven't seen that TV show yet, I would highly recommend going and finding The World According to Jeff Goldblum and go watch episode five, which is titled Barbecue. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. For those of you who have followed this podcast for any amount of time, one of our favorite segments on the show is related to that particular topic, which is kind of how this entire episode came to be. Like we right. we we needed something that we could talk about that was pretty easy to talk about because we're going to be spending a lot of time next week talking about the rise of Skywalker. Like. I can't even tell you how many different podcasts we have on the docket to be a part of next week. At least three, probably closer in the five to six region if we play our cards right. Like, There's going to be one day that's going to be pretty much specifically devoted to podcasts. Like, That's the only thing we have planned for that day. Um, and that's not to mention, you know, live reaction podcasts, other podcasts we might run into, like, for example, when we did Rogue One, um, the uh, the wonderful people at Skywalking Through Neverland podcast, yep. um, we were on their Rogue One reaction. Go back and listen to their show. Man. You can listen to the show right now because it's amazing, but uh, if you go back and listen to their Rogue One reaction from 2016, we were on it because we were there. We ran into them, and they offered to bring us on. So stuff like that happens. We're going to be doing so much podcasting, and we'll try <sighs> to keep you guys up today please feel free to follow us on i at ipc podcast to keep up with everything that we're doing mm -hmm. next week but uh as you said this week it's all about jeff goldblum and, and it was because of that new 
Jeff Goldblum Disney Plus series that just came out. It's been releasing episodes the past few weeks, and it's caught some attention, caught our attention, mm-hmm. and it triggered this, what I think is going to be a great episode. I think so. And it's very unique and very different. And even just the promotions have gotten some positive reactions. Because there are some people that really haven't watched a whole lot of um, Jeff Goldblum stuff. And honestly, I realized uh, kind of late in the game that I hadn't seen as much Goldblum as I thought that I had. Same. And so this gave me an opportunity to kind of get caught up on some of his material and rewatch some of his material and I'm actually thinking of going back and watching The Lost World again after this episode just to get my fill of Goldblum, you know. I would love to revisit that one because yeah, it's 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 very Goldblum heavy, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's and, and it's I think it's an underrated Jurassic Park film. I would agree to that. I would I would very much agree to that. I think part of where it gets the the negative reactions is actually in like the last twenty minutes where the T Rex is loose in San Diego. It's very much defined by those final scenes. It but... really is. But everything that transpires before that is super intense and super awesome. And it does a good job with like expanding the mythology. You're introduced introduced to another island. The whole idea, you know, and they even bring John Hammond back briefly. Like it's it's a solid movie, I think, and it does a lot of good things, especially with rappers like that. I've heard there's a lot of drama. I heard you know Steven Spielberg wasn't a huge fan of it or whatever like that. But I think overall, um, I I enjoy. It. I mean, I enjoy all the Jurassic Park films to an extent, but that one I think does kind of get a bad rap. I think un, unknowingly, but uh, I think we might be talking about that one and a few others later on in the show because. Uh, you know, there wasn't – I wasn't – I was kind of surprised that, like, oh, I hadn't seen that one. I hadn't seen that one, and I felt like I'd seen more of his movies than I realized. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's my thing is I think I, I've seen him, like, in appearances in certain films or appearances in certain TV shows, but uh, some of the stuff that he, like, starred and co-starred in, like – maybe The Fly or Independence Day or something like that, those I really hadn't gotten around to seeing. And so uh, it, it gave me a chance to, to really figure out who who he is and, and what he represents as an actor and uh, you know how consistent or inconsistently he may be playing these different types of characters. And uh, it, was, it was very enlightening. And so with that... Um, one of the things that we're going to be talking about, one of the topics that we've got for tonight is, you know, we, we've sent out a prompt on our social media asking people what their top five favorite Jeff Goldblum films are. And yes, you can come up with five. It is possible. There's there's plenty of material to go around. Believe me. Um, but uh, before we do that, I just want to spend like maybe five or five-ish minutes, five or ten minutes Talking about this uh, this new episode of The Mandalorian that dropped today, too. Yeah, it's, I just uh, watched it a few hours ago, and a lot of buzz going around about it, yeah. Friday the 13th, uh, we got, what was it, this is Chapter 6, isn't it? Yes, this is Chapter 6, uh, called The Prisoner. The Prisoner, yes. And, and I should mention, really quick, we won't get into 
spoilers because it's top of the episode, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but and it's only been out, you know, a few hours at this point. But uh, I don't think there's a lot of spoilers about this episode. You can talk about really kind of a lot of stuff happens. There's not really a big reveal at the end that I think of. I think the biggest spoiler is all the cameos. There's a lot of a lot of interesting actors that you see in this one that uh, I was not expecting. Um, so we'll keep those a secret. But the rest of the episode, that... I think, is uh, <laughs> so great. That that new Republic squadron. Oh my gosh! Yeah, there's a lot of New Republic in this thing. There, that's there that's is. what surprised me about this episode, and what what really pleasantly surprised me was, you know, that they're going in and you know they're k- kind of tangling with the New Republic on the first kind of real presence we've ever seen on screen or anything in regards to like what the New Republic is all about. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just Mando doing his whole thing. Baby Yoda's there. He's not in it as much. So if you're going for you think this is the Baby Yoda show? You might be disappointed by this episode because he's not in as much, mm. but uh, still really solid. And of course, those who've been following along, um, we've got Bill Burr as a bounty hunter in this episode, and he's great. And his whole team of bounty hunters is great, and you'll recognize some familiar faces in there. And yeah, it's really, and it's the longest episode I think we have. I think it's forty-three minutes long. The longest yeah. episode so far. Yeah, I mean, I think that was kind of the prediction, though, wasn't it? That the deeper into the season we get, the longer the episodes could become. Maybe I think I think they just have. I think they've just made these episodes what they need to be, and I think we're just getting deeper and deeper into this, and you know, we're dealing with more and more stuff. And this episode needed to be as long as it was because it was dealing with so much stuff. Um, whereas you know, you had episode two was very streamlined it's a very simple story so it was one of the shortest episodes yeah yeah that's that's fair um i definitely got some more firefly vibes from this episode though absolutely like the 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 sequence at the beginning of the episode where mando's kind of reuniting with his old friend it reminded me of the old friend that mal reynolds ended up coming across and uh then he meets his, the, his friend's wife Bridget, and it turns out to be saffron <laughs> you you oh, ki- man you kind of you kind of had something similar when Zeon showed up and you know you got the old flame thing where the, the Mandalorian kind of left left her behind but my gosh man I'm looking at this cast and this is a fantastic cast because I mean like you said Bill Burr is in it you got um Natalia Tena who's from Game of Thrones and Harry Potter. Yeah. She's finally yeah. in the Star Wars universe. You got Clancy Brown in this episode. And then you've also got Richard Ayodi um, voicing the droid. Yeah. Got a lot of uh, interesting looks at Mando's fighting style. Um, he Spoiler alert, he, he fights droids as well as people. And the thing that really stuck out to me was that um, his fighting style against droids is different from when he fights people. Right. He, he's got two very, very different fighting styles in the animate versus the inanimate. And, uh, you know, there, there's been that, that running gag going along throughout the whole series about how he doesn't like droids. He didn't let the pit droids work on his ship in the previous episode. 
and you know it, he he doesn't really talk to droids unless he has to, like when he's in the bar at the can like at the cantina in Os Eisley. Most of the time, doesn't really want a whole lot to do with droids, and you kind of could tell that uh, he he's not really a fan of the droids that he comes up uh, across in this episode either. No, and he's in for the kill in this point. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And, you know, I'm just realizing that it's probably due to the, the trauma that he experienced with the droids that killed his family on Mandalore. You know? Right. Like, yeah, that seems to be a factor in his whole, like, distaste for droids. It's like he's got PTSD from what the Clankers did that now he wants nothing to do with any droids at all. He's a droid racist. A droidist. Droidist. He's a. Oh my gosh! I'm not getting into that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not getting into that. Um, But I also kind of got like some Guardians of the Galaxy type vibes from some of the shots that they did from this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, But just very adventurous. You know, it's the kind of stuff that you would expect to see from a show about the criminal underground. You know, you'll take jobs for the Empire, but you'll fight the Empire. You'll take jobs from the Guild, but you'll fight the Guild. You might end up fighting the New Republic, but, you know, stuff hits the fan, and you've got to make decisions that take care of you. And that's pretty much what we've seen in this entire series, and it continues in this episode. And it makes for some some really great uh, action and a little bit of character development as you explore Mando's so-called code of honor and where he chooses to draw the line in certain uh, elements. Yeah, it really tests him, and you can tell it's, you know, continuing to try to be a bounty hunter, which seems to be the only thing he knows how to do. Right. You know, and also trying to protect Baby Yoda is obviously a huge issue for him. Yeah. That's addressed in this episode. Yep. Um. But, you know, yeah, it's it's interesting how he's kind of dealing with all this. And he does have a code of honor. He's not just this killing machine, but at the same time, he isn't he isn't afraid to wreck house when it when it comes down to it. Well, we, we get a, we get a little taste of all of that in this episode and then some, which makes for a really, really fun episode. And uh, kind of gets me excited for um, for next week, because. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but don't we get a new episode in the middle of the week next week? Yes, I believe we're getting one even earlier because it's supposedly it's going to have a look at the rise of Skywalker. Yes. Yes, so that one's supposed to come out on the 18th. So we have this episode here on the 13th. And then one, two, three, four, five days from now, we're getting the penultimate episode. Of the Mandalorian on Wednesday the 18th. And uh, we'll both be in California by then, man. Yes, we will. It's kind of crazy to think the next episode that uh, by this time next week we will be there. Mm. And by the time the next episode of the Mandalorian is out, we'll be there. And uh, yeah, well, we might even get a chance to watch it together, which is kind of crazy. That is a really cool thought. Is like the next episode of the Mandalorian I'm seeing, I'm seeing with my podcasting bros. Like that, that's a cool thought. I love it. I love it so much. Oh, boy. All right. So I think we have a few lists to get through 
in regards to the question that we asked on social media and to our patrons and to our peacekeepers. And we asked them to name their top five Jeff Goldblum films. And uh, y'all did not disappoint. I didn't get <laughs> as many as we normally do. I will chalk that up to me being very busy this week and not getting the promo out as early as I wanted to. But we still got a good showing tonight. And uh, yeah, can't wait to get into it. I guess we can go ahead and get into it right now, though. Yeah, why not? Why not? We'll lead off with our uh, patrons of the program. We we promise them that if you become a patron of the program, then anytime we do a top five, you are either a guest on the program, which we probably should have reached out to one of our patrons and see if they wanted to be on this, because this is probably like the last top five of the year. And uh, oops. That's our bad, guys. I promise we will get better at this next year. <laughs> we always say that, and then we don't. <laughs> uh, I don't know why you guys give us your money. <laughs> I don't know why. Those who do contribute to this program, though, receive top billing whenever we do a top five. So your lists get read right off the top. Because there are some days when we have you know, 25, 30 lists or something. We've only got 10 tonight. But our patrons are going to get top billing regardless of whether we got 10 or 30. And uh, we're going we're gonna to lead off in the order of when they were submitted, I believe. And the first one comes from Mr. Joey Mays. At number five, we've got The Fly. At number four, The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Number three, Independence Day. Number two, Thor Ragnarok. And Joey's number one, surprise, surprise is Jurassic Park. I know someone who agrees with this list, at least the number one spot. I would agree with most of this list. I, I might disagree with some of the placement of two through five, but I would agree to most of this. I actually, I really like this list. Yeah, yeah nicely, this is a great list. Nicely done, Joey. Very nicely done. And speaking of nicely done, we have our good buddy, Daniel George, a.k.a. Dan Grievous. I don't know if we mentioned this or not, but uh, Dan Grievous is a legendary YouTuber, at least in my opinion. And uh, he, he, he often releases videos, so go check him out. Go find him on YouTube if you haven't already. But he sends us a list of his own. He starts us off by saying, best top five ever. Agreed. And, uh, he's, he's, he's a Gold Bloom fan, just like us. Long time. Go Bloom! Gold bloomers, gold bloomers. That's what I've deemed us. Um, gold and he bloomers. Said, <laughs> that it was right there. I sounds, had to use it. Sounds like a fifties undergarment. <laughs> <laughs> it probably was back in the day. Probably was. Um, but Dan says his number five is cats and dogs. Number four, the fly. Number three, Independence Day. Number two, Thor Ragnarok. And number one. Surprise, surprise. Supper Jurassic Park. Oh, man. I wonder if there's ever going to be a list where Jurassic Park isn't number one. I, we'll see. We'll see. Spoiler alert. It's entirely possible. <laughs> you know who you are. Uh, you definitely know who you are, person, and you are totally wrong. I'm We're going to call you out when you get when we get to you. you oh, wait your turn. We're oh, going to get to you. I am going to go all Ben Wyatt on you, and you know what I mean by that, too. Uh, before we do that, though, our our third patron that sent us a list, uh, Carrie Fleming, in no particular order. Well, you know what? I'm going to give it an order, Carrie. 
<laughs> no particular order. Laugh in the face of no particular order. Earth Girls Are Easy, The Fly, Buckaroo Banzai, which I literally haven't heard of until I read this right now. I actually have heard of this. I actually have heard of this. It's crazy. I didn't know Jeff Goldblum was in it, but uh, surprisingly, I have at least have a passing knowledge of Buckaroo Banzai. I, I have literally never... I, I'm like looking it up on IMDb right now. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Is that what we're talking about here? I, apparently so. Oh my gosh, who is in this? Peter Weller, John Lithgow is in this. Ellen Barkin, and then Christopher Lloyd along with Jeff Goldblum. What? Oh my- Gosh. What the heck? I need to watch this movie. Adventurer. From 1984. Adventurer, brain surgeon, rock musician, Buckaroo Banzai and his crime fighting team, the Hong Kong Cavaliers, must stop evil alien invaders from the eighth dimension who are planning to conquer Earth. Sounds like sounds like Independence Day on LSD. That is quite possibly the second most weird sentence I have ever read out loud. Second only to the lyrics to Manfred Mann's "Blinded by the Light." Hell yeah! You're <laughs> not you're not even kidding there. Yeah. Oh, man. Earth Girls Are Easy, The Fly, Buckaroo Banzai, Independence Day, and then I'm going to go ahead and put Jurassic Park at the top. Because, I mean, you've got it at the top of your list, and I'm saving the best for last. So, I need to watch Buckaroo Banzai now. Oh, my gosh. That sounds completely ridiculous. And how he was able to go from Buckaroo Banzai to Jurassic Park just shows the versatility of this man. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know. Like, oh. He's been everywhere and done everything. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh, thank you to our patrons for submitting those to us. Like I said, if you become a patron, you be- you receive top billing along with some exclusives that uh, no one else is able to get their hands on. If you want to become a patron, then go find us at ipcpodcast.podbean.com. There is a patron button where I can show you all the different levels. The highest level is only $5 per month. It's really not a lot. It's one fewer pumpkin spice latte that you have this month, and it gives you a lot of really awesome exclusive content like Joey gets, like Jake, Rachel, Dan, Parker, and Carrie all receive, and you can receive it too. For just a few bucks a month, so go check us out over there. Indeed, indeed. And um, moving on to our peacekeepers over in the peacekeeping core. And if you're if you're not a member, please let us know so you can be let in because it's a super secret group. It's for only the most elite people, the most up there listeners that are in the loop. And uh, we do a lot of crazy things with that group and keep you guys in uh, um, do impromptu stuff we just planned a whole top five episode a few week, episodes ago just in that group so it's always a good time and uh one of the members is our good friend robin glader and he says again number five 
the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. <laughs> so that's getting a lot of love. And then he says, number four, Independence Day. Number three, The Lost World Jurassic Park. Number two, Thor Ragnarok. And number one, Jurassic Park. And he puts in quotation marks, duh, what else? Exactly. This Ex- guy gets it. Ex- Give me that gif of someone saying, this guy gets it. Exactly. Exactly. Duh, what else? <laughs> like, if you pick something other than Jurassic Park as your number one, or even find some god-awful way to end up omitting Jurassic Park from your list altogether, like, what on earth are you smoking? I just, I don't even know. But I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see later. This is going to get interesting. I really, I really need to uh, to go find Buckaroo Banzai now because just having a couple of people listing it and reading that description, I'm like, yeah, I probably need to go check that out. Yeah, I will say that I was short a movie when I was planning to be on this podcast, so I did watch one of these movies for the first time last week. I will reveal it. When I reveal my list. So did I. So we'll get into that a little bit later. I'm I'm holding my tongue right now because uh, it's been mentioned several times already. But uh, yeah, I was down. Buckaroo Bonsai was not one of them. And now I'm disappointed in myself. Right. That wasn't really a finalist for me either. I was down to two and I chose one because it had a shorter runtime than the other. And it was late at night. And I was like, yeah, I need to go to bed sometime today. So I chose the one that had a shorter runtime, and uh, it, it yielded some interesting results. Uh, on to our friend Star Raptor, a.k.a. Chris Abbott. He's got a list of five that he sent to us over in the Peacekeeper Corps uh, thread as well. Clocking in at number five is Independence Day. At number four, The Fly. At number three, Thor Ragnarok. Number two, The Lost World. And number one, Jurassic Park. Nice. That's a, a really dra- Jurassic heavy off the top there. That's a that's a that's a really solid list, Chris. And I, I'm not gonna lie, it's fairly similar to uh, to my list. Not not verbatim, but very similar in most respects. Nice, nice, so, very nice, gonna, gonna, very gonna, interesting. Gonna too. tease you all a little bit more and be like, "Ooh, I wonder what his list is going to be then, if it's not exactly like this one." What could it be? Dun dun dun. What could it be? All right, so what our good friend. You know, I'm gonna need some outro music, and you know, I, I don't have any ideas yet. <laughs> this might be that. Who knows? Oh, no. Uh, it might be you singing that, though. <laughs> what can it be knocking at my door? <laughs> I do love that song. That's a great song. Absolutely fantastic song. And uh, up next, we've got our good friend, George Rivera. <coughs> George! <laughs> George! George of the... Ju- no, I'm sorry. I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. George does not live in a jungle. I know that for a fact. Hey, San Francisco's um, a jungle out there. Didn't Adrian Monk sing that? Probably? I don't know. No, it was actually Randy Newman, but he did it for the TV show Monk. Do you remember Monk? I remember. I've never seen an episode, but I remember specifically Monk. It's like Psych, but better. 
Oh, really? I like Psych. I've actually seen Psych, and I like it. Psych's pretty funny, but their mysteries can be a little straightforward sometimes. <laughs> the If you're looking for something that's like an actual detective show that's like really, really clever and witty, you should want to see Monk. I've heard a lot of good things about it, so yeah, and, and Tony Schlub, I mean, what can you say? Right, um, exactly. So good. So great. Um, George Rivera, as I was originally saying there, um, says number five, his is The Fly. Number four, Thor Ragnarok. Number three, Jurassic Park. Number two, The Prince of Egypt. That's an unexpected one. And number one, Independence Day. I did not know that Goldblum was in Prince of Egypt. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, he was. Gotten all about that. Yep. Uh, it, honestly, Prince of Egypt has a really awesome cast. Like, the animation style is great. The storytelling is actually very accurate from the biblical telling. But it's the cast that really, really gets to you. Because, like, you would not believe some of the people that they got on Prince of Egypt. Jeff Goldblum plays Moses' brother Aaron in that movie. Oh, okay. But here's some of the other people that are in this. Val Kilmer, Ralph Fiennes, Michelle Pfeiffer, Sandra Bullock, Danny Glover, Patrick Stewart, Steve (laughs) Martin, Martin Short, James Avery. The names just go on and on and on. Mel Brooks apparently did a voice in this. Wow. Like, I'm not even kidding. And then there's a dude named Brian Stokes Mitchell who looks like Obama with a wig. <laughs> but I mean oh But I mean this is this has got to be like one of my favorite um movies to draw from when we're playing a game of one, two, three. Cause I mean, honestly, if I told you that uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Steve Martin, and Patrick Stewart were all in the same movie. Would you call BS on that? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like they did an amazing job putting that movie together. So yeah, that's 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 a that's a sleeper, George. But it's a great sleeper. That is great. Great list, George, and it, some great it selections. It is. Uh, little disappointed that Jurassic Park's at number three, though. But whatever. <laughs> anyway, on to one of our other peacekeepers, Mr. Kenny Crayley Jr., longtime listener, been with us pretty much since year one. Um, I I, it, I find I still find it weird that we can say that that somebody's been with us since year one because we're in year five now. Like I think we finally yeah. aged enough that we can say that. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. But uh, he's got an honorable mention that's not film but a TV show, Law and Order: Criminal Intent. I guess he appeared in that or was he or was he a regular you know i don't know it would be a good it would be a question for kenny he can't he's not here right now but <laughs> uh it would that's really interesting he could have just been made a cameo like he's one of those actors that will just show up on a random tv show yeah that's that's also true now um, tell me this has goldblum ever been on an episode of friends yes he has I knew it. I knew he would because yes. everybody's been on Friends. That has like the best. Friends has the best slate of 
of like cameo cast ever. Dude, you're not even kidding. Like, I don't even know where to begin. Um, Robin Williams made a cameo. Um, he and Billy Crystal did uh, did one of the soft openers. And uh, who was it? Um, wow, why can't I think of any of these? Isabella Rossellini made a cameo. Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme was in it. Um, who else did we have? We had Megan Mullally, I think, was in it. Um, no, not Megan Mullally. Who was it? Um, she was... Wow, why can't I think of her name? I feel like a total failure at Friends Trivia right now. Like, Winona Ryder. There we go. Winona Ryder was in it from, uh, Stranger Things. Um... What was who was one of the big ones that they got? Um, action star Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis was in it, um, and then who's Jennifer Aniston's ex? I you're asking the wrong person. Oh my gosh, Brad Pitt. Were, really? Were were Brad and uh, and Jen ever together? I think it was Brad. It might have been. You know what? I should have just done a Google search for friends cameos. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry for that tangent. That just that just that. that Don't ever out. apologize for talking about friends. My gosh, I would do an entire podcast about friends. I mean, uh, I'm ha- I'm half surprised that you you haven't already. That I haven't done it yet. Yeah, I mean, it, I just haven't had the time honestly so here's here's some of them brad pitt julia roberts bruce willis winona Ryder, charlie sheen george clooney alec baldwin robin williams danny devito christina applegate reese witherspoon ben stiller dakota fanning sean penn susan sarandon brooke shields gary oldman hugh laurie freddie prince jr anna ferris paul rudd and ellen pompeo like that's just a quick hit of some of the people that showed up in that show. Um, so yeah, Goldblum being in uh, Law and Order: Criminal Intent would not surprise me. Going all the way back to Kenny's top five, that got really derivative. You're welcome. Uh, number five, The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Number four, Cats and Dogs, which I completely forgot he was in. By the way. I'm telling you, yeah. Number three, The Fly. Number two, Independence Day. And at number one, here we go once again, Jurassic Park. (laughs) There you go. And now, unfortunately, that streak comes to an end. Oh, my goodness. Look at this. Look at this. Joey's. Jurassic Park number one, Dan's Jurassic Park number one, Carrie Jurassic Park in there, <laughs> Robin Jurassic Park number one, Chris Jurassic Park number one, George Jurassic Park number three, Kenny Jurassic Park number one. Jurassic Park has been at the top of everybody's lists until now. Oh my gosh, gotta have a tiebreaker here. It, it's it's I, I still am baffled by this. But it's a classic top five segment that we do every week. So even if this is a bastardized list, we're still going to do it. 
This is like the Jon Snow of top five Jeff Goldblum films lists. But here it comes, folks. It's time for Schindler's List. All right, Ben, I need you to read this one because I just can't bring myself to read it. All right, I'll do the honors. So, Stephen Schinder, our good friend, or at least we thought we were good friends. Until I found this knife in my back. Man, man, the things people do. Okay, so starting off with number five, it's Cats and Dogs. Number four, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Again, had no idea Jeff Goldblum was in that one. Um, Number three, Thor Ragnarok, good choice. Number two, Independence Day, also good choice. Number one, The Prince of Egypt, good choice. But where the hell is Jurassic Park? I, I don't. I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm confused. I'm, I'm just very confused. We're all confused, Shinder. You have baffled us. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a the the selection of Invasion of the Body Snatchers is really solid. Because listen to this. This is a 1978 film. This came out a year after Star Wars. Okay? Mm-hmm. A year after Star Wars. When seeds drift to Earth from space, mysterious pods begin to grow and invade a small town, replicating the residents one body at a time. It's got Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams... Jeff Goldblum, Veronica Cartwright, and one Mr. Leonard Nimoy. Really? Yeah. So I'm okay with Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And I'm really okay with Thor, Independence Day, Prince of Egypt. Here's the beef that I've got. I don't care how much you like cats and dogs. I really don't care. But when you are objectively... I'm not even being subjective here. I am I'm trying to be as objective as possible. But when you objectively look at Jeff Goldblum's acting performances, you cannot possibly hope to tell me or persuade me or convince me that his performance in Cats and Dogs outweighs his performance in Jurassic Park. I just, I do not understand this, Stephen. And Joey didn't understand it either. He sent us a, a, a gif of, who was it? John Stewart eating popcorn? And he's like, Schindler's List doesn't have Jurassic Park? Question mark. Exclamation point. Question mark. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait to hear Zach's head explode. Uh, Stephen's response is simply, I think Jurassic Park is just okay. I think Jurassic Park is just okay. I think oh Jurassic Park is just okay. Steven. Steven, 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 Steven. Cats and dogs. Starring Alec Baldwin, Tobey Maguire, and Jeff Goldblum. 
is rated 5.1 out of 10 stars on IMDb for a damn good reason. Whereas Jurassic Park, one of the greatest science fiction films of all time, dare I say one of the best Steven Spielberg films of all time, dare I say one of the best films of all time. Jurassic Park. Oh my gosh. It's got one of the better film scores of all time also. Like, it's just, it's just better. It's just better. I, I don't, I don't get it. I wish I got it, but I don't because Jurassic Park has three whole stars up on Cats and Dogs, according to IMDb. 8.1 as opposed to 5.1 and for me it gets 11.1 out of 10 stars I just I don't I don't see how or why or when or in what universe like the rest of this list is all of a sudden illegitimized because Jurassic Park is absent I'm just gonna put that out there and I'm also going to put it out there that there's only one other list that does not have Jurassic Park on it. And that's because this person was being a smartass. There, there is no, there is no other. Oh my gosh. Steven. You see what you did, Steven? You... Do you see... What you've done. You broke Are you me. you happy now? You freaking broke me. You broke him. You broke him. You, He's done. You broke I don't know how Zach. we're going to proceed now. Good night, everybody. That is the episode. We cannot continue. Because I just, I'm flat out broken and, and crushed and heartbroken. And I, I feel bamboozled. Just a little bit. Sam, uh, he's going to have PTSD from this from now on. It's entirely like, possible. The like, damage is irreversible. Like, this entire segment is tainted now because Jurassic Park was not mentioned in Jeff Goldblum's acting career, whereas Cats and Dogs was! Oh my gosh. Okay. It's time to end this segment and move on, or else I'm just going to be stuck on it all night. That's it, everybody, for Schindler's List. Schindler's List. I'm going to have to Schindler List this list. I don't know. <laughs> Schindler's List. Well, up next, we've got some just general Facebook and Twitter submissions from some good people over on the rest of the social medias. And the first one up is our good friend Kevin Davis, longtime listener at Valectors, V-A-L-E-K-T-O-R-S. I want to make sure that goes out there because you should go follow him because he's an awesome person and he listens and he sends a great list, and this one is no different. He starts off with number five, The Fly. Number four, Transylvania 6-5000. I didn't know this was a thing. Um, number three, The Lost World. Number two, Independence Day. And number one, Jurassic Park. Thank you, Kevin. 
for bringing some legitimacy back to these lists and preserving the integrity of the spirit of Jeff Goldblum. I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think you know which order to, to, to read this next one. in. I do. I do. Karma Filardo, Filardo, Filardo. I'm stuck on the word karma because I keep thinking of the song Karma Chameleon. <laughs> karma, 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 chameleon. It's your top five. It's your top five. Okay. Uh, reverse engineering this. Uh, Karma's list reads as follows. Isle of Dogs, Buckaroo, Banzai, Earth Girls Are Easy, The Fly, and then at the top of the list, Jurassic Park. There you go. I forgot that he was in Isle of Dogs. Honestly, I forgot Isle of Dogs existed. I've heard so many good things, but I have, I have not watched I, it. Honestly, I have too. I've not heard anything negative about Isle of Dogs. The problem is I have not heard enough positive about Isle of Dogs. <laughs> and there is a difference. Bashing it is one thing. Praising it is another thing. Having it just kind of exist is that weird vastness of obsolescence that makes things so dangerous in cinema these days. You yeah. know, if it's not super heavily debated like The Last Jedi or super heavily loved like Jurassic Park, then it just falls into that weird chasm of becoming obsolete and easily forgotten. Like... um like the the new X Men movies, you yeah. know, they're not really hated on, but they're not really adored either. And ten years from now, people are going to forget they exist. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I, I I just love I love dogs because it it it's two different meanings depending on how you pronounce it. It's Isle of Dogs or it's I love dogs. Wait, what? What, you just down got that? What? I love dogs, or Isle of Dogs. I always just read it, Isle of Dogs, because it's literally an island of dogs. Right. I never took it for a play on words. It's, it's, it's a good one. It's a real good one. It's so good, because I'm usually the one that makes word puns. And I literally did not think of that until just now. Went right over your head. Wow. Okay, I see how it is. Wow. <laughs> Holy shoot. Oh man, like I'm I'm just I'm mad at myself right now. Yeah. Like Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I feel uh, you. I was that same way when I first shot out. It's, oh, uh, my it's gosh. Okay, so here's here's the other list that does not have Jurassic Park on it, and it's only because Pulpifa Miley decided to be a smartass about it. <laughs> Pulpifa's list <laughs> reads at number one, The Fly. Number two, The Fly. Number three, the Fly, number four, The Fly, and number five, 
Guess. The Fly. Oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't see that one coming. No, like, that last one was just such a cliffhanger. I was on the edge of my seat wondering what that last one was going to be. Oh my gosh. Uh, have you ever seen The Fly? No, I have not. Ah, man. We're probably going to talk about The Fly in a little bit. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break, listen to some of our partners and uh, patrons and other people like that, uh, maybe a fellow podcaster too, and uh, we'll be right back after this uh, brief word from our uh, friends, and we'll continue this Jeff Goldblum discussion looking at uh, our top five Goldblum films. And then a special Goldblum-themed food segment later on, so stay tuned. This is IPC. IPC listeners, this is Joey Mays, intergalactic patron and promoter of my family business, Mays Sandwich Shop. We are proud to be supporting IPC and the endeavors of young, talented individuals like Zach, Ben, and Jake. Should you ever find yourself in the area of Reading, Pennsylvania, be sure to stop by Mays Sandwich Shop. Started by my grandfather in 1947, currently owned by my father and operated by my sister and me, May's Sandwich Shop has been serving delicious food to the greater Westlawn area for over 70 years. If you ever do visit, be sure to tell them IBC sent you. We are back with our discussion of basically the enigma that is Jeff Goldblum. I know I've used that word already, but it's just it just seems so fitting. He, he's just he's very out there, very different, and he tends to be in very out there, very different films. And we're listing our top five favorite ones this evening, as well as a special food-related segment that pertains to uh, Jeff Goldblum as well. But before we get to our lists, we just want to give a special shout out to a longtime listener of ours who has always been super engaged with us on social media, always been a, a loyal listener and supporter, providing awesome feedback, uh, and then just giving some great thoughts and insights as well. Um, I feel really bad because I didn't ask before we went on the air what the correct pronunciation was, so I'm going to kind of wing it and hope that it works <laughs> it's our friend Matthias Jolstad I hope I got that right 
uh, it may be Matthias, but I think it's... If Ma- not, a thousand apologies, As, but we think we got it. I think it's Matthias, Matthias Jolstad, um, friend of ours from across the pond, who is always, always, always listening to the show. Um, much like George does when he's listening live. George, we appreciate you joining us live every week. And Matthias, we appreciate you listening in uh, after the fact as well. You gave us some really cool insights about um, about uh, Return of the Jedi a few weeks ago, and then yeah. provided some great feedback about this week's episode as well. And uh, we just wanted to give you a shout out tonight and let you know that we hear you and we appreciate you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, about uh, specifically about this week's episode, he says, "Thanks for doing this." Goldblum was one of my one of the actors I sadly have not explored enough, so I will try to make a note of as many of these as I can. This is going to be good, going to be a fun list to uh, listen to. Keep up the incredible work. And uh, he brings up a great point that even if you're not participating in sending in your list, you can still listen along, and then you'll have a a nice little uh, list of uh, Goldblum movies to revisit after you finish listening. Right, that's the thing, is if you haven't seen very many Goldblum movies, these lists kind of give you an idea of what you should check out. So far, seems like Jurassic Park, Thor Ragnarok, The Lost World, and Cats and Dogs are kind of the leaders. But uh, Right. But who knows? Uh, it could be... It could be something where you just kind of create like a list and try and find them on uh, on Amazon or whatever, and uh, possibly rent them or buy them if you like them enough, and uh, you start become a Goldblum fanatic like we are. Yeah, unless it's in the Disney Vault, I think you should be fine finding it on the internet. Yeah, it's learned. It's it's probably it's probably somewhere in the depths of the internet. I I know people who are able to find like the newest episodes of Star Trek Discovery like an hour after they premiere on CBS All Access. Yeah, like it's, where there's a will, there's a way, and on the internet, there's always a way. There's always a way. Life uh, finds a way. This is the way. This is the way. Uh, going back to the Return of the Jedi discussion that we aforementioned, uh, Matthias also contributed to that as well, saying, I'm so excited to listen to your thoughts about my favorite movie of my favorite movie franchise. Not the best, that is still Empire, but this hits closer to home for me with all the themes of family, not underestimating small cute creatures, ships, lots and lots of ships, cool new characters, family, a father redeeming himself, tears every time, ships, rebelling, and did I mention family? Thank you for doing so much incredible good work on this podcast. I don't think I was part of the Jedi discussion, so I think you and Jake get credit for that one, bud. Well, I think I think Matias has been listening long enough that I think he he's referring to more than just that episode. But uh, yeah, that was a great episode, great discussion, and sorry you couldn't be there, Zach. But uh, yeah, we got into some stuff. I had some realizations about Return of the Jedi that I hadn't really thought of previously. We've talked about it, so that was a really fun episode. And, uh, yeah, appreciate him listening, and glad he enjoyed it, because we enjoy doing it. It's nice to hear that other people actually listen to us actually do this. Right? It's not like we get a couple of quick-hit listens, and then people drop off after a couple of minutes, and they're gone, never to be heard from again. There are people who actually listen to all three hours and something-odd minutes of our ramblings, 
and then provide feedback afterwards. You know, that's that's some pretty intense commitment. Like I'm I'm realizing just how much of a of a commitment my hours in the day are and to commit like 3 hours of your day to to listen to our podcast or 2 hours or however long it is. That that's a big commitment. That's a big block out of your day, out of your availability. So to anyone that listens to the show, we recognize what a commitment that is and appreciate your commitment to us. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I guess it's time to actually like reward people with our top fives, I guess, isn't it? Perhaps so. Uh, unfortunately, our friend Jake Damon had to work really, really late tonight. He's actually not even home yet, according to him. Like that's that's how late he's working, which is such a bummer. He works for a delivery service, and it's getting close to the holiday season, so they're keeping him out till like ten, eleven, midnight, or something like that, and it's crazy. If by some chance Jake does get us a list in time, we might splice it in, and you know one of us just kind of read it off real quick in this spot, and then we'll hop into our fives and let you. Uh, have a listen to all of our lists. But uh, for now, I think it's time to read our fives. Yeah. Well, by all means, Zach, why don't you lead us off? Sure, sure. Um, I got to get my list up here. Um, I do too, actually. So I, I'm glad I gotta, you reminded me. I got, it, I got it on my notes on my phone, actually. So Same. I had to, had to go open up that part of my phone. Um. So I'm actually going to do an honorable mention as well. I don't know if you have something to list an honorable mention for. Uh, or I, not. I do. I do. So, okay, that's fair. We'll, we'll let Jake know that he can give an honorable mention as well if he wants to. Um, my honorable mention is actually going to be Independence Day. For the sole fact that I haven't seen Independence Day in its entirety. Really? I have not. I That was one of the two movies that I was debating watching last night. And it was two and a half hours long or something like that. A long movie. It's a long movie. And I know that it's a good movie. Like, I've never heard anything bad about it. And it's got Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum in it. Of course it's going to be good. I just never really got the time to sit through all of it. And so that's going to go into the honorable mention spot simply because I need to watch it all the way through before I can put it somewhere else on my list. Yeah. So I hear you. There. Honorable mention is going to be like a placeholder. And then at number five, I'm actually going to put down the Prince of Egypt. Nice. I really like the Prince of Egypt. It's in my opinion, it is the best DreamWorks film to exist right now. I like it more than any of the Kung Fu Pandas, any of the Madagascars, any of the How to Train Your Dragons, any of the Shreks. That is quite possibly one of the best all-around DreamWorks films ever done. And Jeff Goldblum was a contributor to that. Uh, maybe not a huge contributor. The role of Aaron isn't that big in the movie, not compared to, you know, Moses or Ramses <laughs> or you know right. somebody like that. But he played a part, and he played that part well. And I enjoyed hearing Jeff Goldblum's voice in that movie. It helped round things out really, really well. So uh, that would be my number five. That's 
very cool. Unfortunately, I have not seen that movie. Dude, you're missing out. I know, I know. But just fair warning, it's not included in my top five. Wow. Surprise, surprise. But one that is included in my honorable mentions only because I have a vague memory of watching this movie. And I had no idea Jeff Goldblum was in this movie. And this movie, it goes way back. And, and it's and going looking back and I'm like, ah, I'm not sure about that. And I know some people listed it. I don't remember it being that great. But Cats and Dogs from 2001. I actually watched this thing back in the day. I remember watching it. Like I said, no memory of Goldblum. So I, I really feel weird watching it. But it's one of the six Jeff Goldblum movies that I've seen in the entirety of my life that I can remember. So, uh, yeah, I had to include it here. And then topping out at number five, yes, I know technically it's just a cameo. He could have had more screen time. He should have had more screen time, but it still counts. And it had to count because I was desperate. And topping out at number five on mine is Jurassic World Falling Kingdom. And as uh, I've talked about before, I have my issues with this movie. But overall, having Goldblum back was fantastic. He's fantastic in this movie. And his just Ian Malcolm's whole deal with dinosaurs and his, how his thing evolves and how he kind of kind of ends up supporting like he kind of goes back and forth. I think she ends up kind of supporting the whole kind of the genocide of dinosaurs. You can't really blame him um, in the movie, but he also brings it back that, you know, life finds a way. And in that movie, life definitely found a way. So that's very uh, true. So, you know, I, I'm looking forward to apparently all the big three are back in Jurassic World 3, including Ian Malcolm. So I am hugely looking forward to that. I am too. Like, I'm, I'm legit really, really excited to see what they do with Jurassic World 3, because I honestly never thought that Sam Neill was coming back to the franchise. I, I yeah, honestly I thought yeah. that he would retire and die in his vineyard before he showed back up in another Jurassic film. And here he is. And, you know, Laura Dern's got a resurgence in her career thanks to Star Wars, and so, yeah. you know, it's entirely plausible to bring her back into this fold. Like... It's like it's like assembling the the dinosaur Avengers or something, and it's 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 really fun to think about. It really is. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And as I said, Goldblum in that movie is wonderful. Oh <clears throat> man. Oh man, that I I I I I like that, and I I, I wish I could put that in my list, I, but. I actually I found some other stuff that I that I wanted to put in there. Good. Um my number 4 I guess is where we're at now, yeah. Yeah, I believe so. My number 4 is going to be The Lost World. Because he he's experienced so much and yet still somehow ends up in the thick of things and yet still maintains his composure and his character. You know, he's got a kid that he's trying to protect. He's got an old flame that he's trying to protect. He's got dinosaurs that he's trying to protect. And yet he still 
carries some of that that sharp wit and sarcasm and sense of adventure brings that all to the table and 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 still finds a way to make it seem like that's the next step in the life of Dr. Ian Malcolm. That's what happens next in his life. And it was it, it's to me it felt like a very logical next step and it felt very well presented by Jeff Goldblum. And all I'm going to add to this is that uh it's also my number 4. Oh, of all things. So we we're matching. We're matching right now. And uh I'll echo everything you're saying. Like I think he's great in this movie. You know, he he definitely goes, you know, has his little journey, a little hero's journey there. <laughs> he 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 I think he comes out a little more humble, you know, especially after breaking his leg, but uh ultimately coming back in this movie, I think he he was great and you know, he's pretty 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 badass to want to go back to that island after all he went through. Yeah. Very very brave on his part and and shows shows a lot of leadership that you didn't really see in the previous film. Shows uh a lot of integrity, a lot of leadership, but still shows a lot of apprehension as well. Um it it, it just really helps round out his character. It makes him a much deeper character this way. And I'm curious to see how that depth of character carries over into the next film. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so that that went through our number fours pretty easily. <laughs> <laughs> really quick, like, really quick. Like, okay, uh, no more standing on pomp and circumstance. Let's just go to our number threes then. Um, I have mm. actually been tossing back and forth between... Uh, this number three and this number two for a while now, like kind of flip flopping them, and I'm finally gonna settle on this um, right here, right now. Um, my number three is going to be his appearance in Thor Ragnarok. It had been my number two for a long time, but my current number two, uh-huh. like recently vaulted it, like just. Hours ago, minutes ago, seconds ago. I've been alternating. I've been flipping back and forth, but I'm finally committing to this. And and I'll explain why when I start talking a little bit more about my second favorite Goldblum movie. But um, for, for this number three slot, the Grandmaster kind of really makes this movie what it is. Like, you've got... You've got Thor, whose attitude has changed a little bit. You've got Valkyrie, who proves to have like a really interesting dynamic with all the characters. You've got uh, the Hulk in there. But the one orchestrating all of this, and the one who provides them a getaway ship at the end of the movie, and the one who uh, is just a, a very zany character, and just... About as much like Jeff Goldblum as a character can be is the gra- right. is the Grandmaster. Like I went back and watched some scenes with him in it, and then I went and watched the world according to Jeff Goldblum. And I'm sitting here going, they just slapped some makeup on him and said, "Here, go run this planet for us," and just let him loose. You know, you you just let Goldblum loose into the wild, and that's what happens. I can't help but wonder how much or how little of this was actually scripted because it, it, it just feels 
so Jeff Goldblum. But uh, but yeah, that's going to be my number three selection for tonight. Yeah, that's a great choice. Absolutely great choice. Love, love Ragnarok. And Grandmaster is so great. He's so great. More on him later. But uh, for right now, I'm going to list my number three. And my number three is a little movie that came out a long time ago that I just saw. As I was talking about earlier, there's a movie I'd never seen before, and this is it. From the 90s, I think, or even the 80s. I can't remember exactly when this movie was, was released. Independence Day was a movie that, like I said, never seen it before, and I was quite honestly surprised at how good this movie is. Not that I'd heard anything bad about it, but I really enjoyed this one. As you said, it's it's long, and I stayed up way too late the other night trying to watch it. And but I was gonna cut it off. I was gonna like, okay, I'll just watch a little bit, an hour or so, and then I'll I'll stop. But I kept going because I was really enthralled by it. And uh, from 1996, I just looked it up. Yeah. Um, and it's really good movie, and Goldblum's part in it is really great. Like he has a good, sizable role. He's kind of equal in. I think he even appears before Will Smith, um, and in the movie, and you know has a really great role in this movie. And it's really, it's well put together. I I love disaster movies anyway, so it kind of got me hooked then. But uh, his whole thing with you know getting wrapped up in the plot and you know ultimately. You know, kind of saving the world, if you can, if you can kind of say that, because you know, not only he does he kind of predict what the aliens are going to do. You know, he ends up going up into space and and taking them out, and uh, it's just, and he's he's so Goldblum. He's definitely toned back the zaniness and is more like Ian Malcolm esque. But I like that, and I like that he's you know, Goldblum has range. He's known for being this kooky guy now, but he can he can put on the drama and the seriousness when he wants to and make a really great performance and Independence Day is one of them. See, I need to watch that movie. I, I need to watch it in its we entirety. We need to do an episode on it. I'm telling you, it's great. I'm I'm honestly down for that. We could do like an Independence Day duology because they made a sequel not too long ago. I, I am actually kind of interested, even though I heard not too good things about Resurgence. I'm still like... Okay, I'm in. You got me. I'm I'm interested to see where this goes from here. Right, right. Well, I think another one that we could do, you know, it, this this has proven relatively popular considering the the short amount of time that we've got. I feel like we can do other character top fives as well. Like yes, like I think we should do top five Will Smith movies. Will Smith, that would be. I feel like Goldblum, very niche, and not a massive filmography to choose from whereas will smith he's freaking will smith like right he has so many movies from so many different eras like you go back to the 80s 90s 2000s up until this year with aladdin like he's all over the place so like i would love to do that well and then i think another one we could do would be top five robin williams movies Oh my gosh, yes. Oh, heck yes. And maybe like top five Liam Neeson movies. Absolutely. Top, Absolutely. Top five um, Brad Pitt movies. 
I don't know if I've ever seen a movie with Brad Pitt. I don't Pitt know if it. I've seen five Brad Pitt movies, but I've definitely seen five Will Smith movies. I could definitely yeah. do that one. Yeah. He's got a new one that he's doing that's an animated feature with Tom Holland that looks hilarious. That uh, it looks pretty good. Uh, shoot. What else did I see him in recently? I didn't. It, I saw him in Aladdin, but I saw him in this other movie as well. I think I went and saw this movie with, uh, with my buddy Mondo. Um, shoot. What was this movie? Gemini Man. Oh yeah. Gemini Man, where he's basically fighting himself, mm-hmm. and that yeah. was, that was an interesting movie as well. It's got Benedict yeah, Wong in it. Mm. That was that was fun. It was directed mm. by Ang Lee. I forgot about that. Yeah, Ang Lee Ooh, actually. Ang Lee. Ang Lee actually took on that project. <laughs> Anyways, nice. On to our second favorite Goldblum film. Yes, the second one. Definitely, definitely the second one. Yes. Okay. On to the second one. Not the first, but the second. Um. So. Here's the deal. I I had the option of watching either Independence Day or this movie. And I chose to watch this movie. And after I finished this movie, I almost instantly regretted it. Oh my gosh. And not because it's a bad movie. In fact, kind of the opposite. This movie is so good that I pretty much got chills thinking that this could be a possibility, that this could be a reality that we face with modern technology. And that's why it's vaulted all the way up to this this second spot out of five, because it's very... True to life, it's very realistic looking, very well acted, and just very enthralling. And that movie is Goldblum's 1986 uh, classic horror thriller drama remake of Vincent Price's film by the same name, and that is The Fly. Wow. And you you say that you've never seen The Fly, correct? I have never. I have, like, passing knowledge of it. Yeah. Um, How's your stomach when it comes to stuff of queasy nature? Um, Not too good. Not too good. I, I, don't, I don't do well with gore and stuff. What would you say is, like, the grossest movie you've ever seen? What is the grossest movie I've ever seen? I know I I have seen gross things in movies. I just can't think of anything right now. Um, I usually like, when it comes to, like, people, you know, like, wounds or stuff like that, like, the stuff in Stranger Things, like, season three, like, the whole thing with that thing in her leg, and they're trying to get it out, like, that just... Every time they would start digging into someone's skin, I'm just like, oh, no, please stop. Don't yeah, do that. Yeah. I, w- I was out of it. So, yeah. like, 
blood and guts, and I just, it, ugh, I can't do it. <laughs> just hearing you cringe like that, it's like, oh, oh, interesting. Yeah, I would definitely not recommend The Fly then. <laughs> like, the first half of the film is innocent enough. It, it's, it's enough that it feels like a, almost a romantic comedy with a blend of sci-fi, of sci-fi in there, just a little bit sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> just a just a little blending of sci-fi in there but then at, at one point um Goldblum's character Seth Brundle has a human moment where he's he's no longer just a, a brilliant scientist but his eccentricities kind of take over and and he he starts to lose his humanity just a little bit and it, it's like a it's it's almost like a physical and an emotional degradation of character because he 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 develops these these teleportation pods and decides to teleport himself from one end of the room to the other the problem is when he activated the teleporter to scramble his dna there was also a common housefly in the pod with him the computer didn't recognize it as two comp- like two separate pieces of DNA, and so when they dematerialized, the two of them rematerialized into one human-slash-fly hybrid. Yeah. And so he literally starts losing his humanity and becomes more insectoid in nature over the course of the second half of the film. And it kind of shows a, a parallel between losing your humanity both emotionally and physically. And uh, at, at one point, his ear just falls off. <laughs> yeah, at one point in the movie, his ear just, just, just randomly falls off. It was like, oh, okay, well, flies don't need ears, so uh, I guess uh, I don't need one either. <laughs> Like, wow. like, it's just, oh my gosh. And and I, I sent this to you guys in the, in the chat last night after I watched it. I said, it's very gross for a 1986 film. The costume people did an amazing job, honestly. There were times that I allowed myself to believe this was real. My imagination flowed for the first time in a long time during a movie. I wasn't analyzing it. I was enthralled by it. And and that's the best description that I can give. I usually watch a movie and look at the composition, I look at the acting versus the overacting, I look at, you know, the the shot selection, the costumes, whatever. But this just had me so enthralled that I let myself believe that this was actually happening. And the the drama that unfolds and the action that unfolds and the the horror and the gore and the living nightmare that unfolds, I let myself believe that it was real. And I think that's a testament to the acting, and I think it's a testament to the costuming department that was able to create, you know, those human fly hybrid costumes that felt believable enough for somebody like me even. It's it's so weird because it's it's a gross movie. It is a gross, gross, nasty, horror-filled movie. And yet 
it's one of the best things I've ever seen Jeff Goldblum do. Like a train wreck. You couldn't look away. I just, I couldn't. I honestly could not. So I applaud anybody that had it in their top fives. It it was not even on my radar. I just watched it because I had an hour and a half to kill, and I just watched it. But it vaulted itself into one of my favorite Goldblum films of all time because of just how gripping this movie is from start to finish. That's great. That's great. Um, Based on what you've said, it sounds good, but I'll never watch it. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Would not, would not recommend for the faint of heart. You got no, not not every movie is for everyone. No. and I I know when I should you know restrain myself. It, sometimes. Well, I mean, it it honestly is the stuff of nightmares. If if Stranger Things three is your cap, this is probably at least two to three times worse than the stuff you saw in Stranger Things. Or like like uh like some of the other worst stuff I've seen is is like in the hundred, um that show. Like, oh, the one hundred is a good show, though. It's great, but there's some like they literally crucified people in that show, like, and they don't. It's not like sugar coated. They show everything, like it's, that's true. It's intense, and I'm not like I am. That's a praise for that show. Like I appreciate that show for being like so realistic and so committed to like showing the horror of what the characters are going through. But at the same time, I'm looking away. I'm over here. Screen's over there. No, no, I don't want that in my face. No, I can't handle it. All right, that's just me. But I know other people get kicks out of it. I know Game of Thrones has some stuff like that too, and it's the biggest show ever. But not for me, man. Not for me. Yeah, I I get you. I I get that, and I I also just applaud the hundred for pushing the envelope for what network television can show. Because, Seriously, I don't know how they get away with some of the stuff. Like some of the stuff that they show, I really feel like belongs on TNT or something, and yet it's on network TV. So uh, I'm looking forward to that final season that's coming out sometime next year. Um, I think it is time for the story to end, but I'm really curious to see how they end it. I have no idea where it went after I stopped watching. So one of these days I'm going to catch up and get really, really uh, – um, surprise, because I know get, it went to some really weird places. Get get caught up when the season finishes, and we'll do like a series recap episode or something. That would be fantastic. Be fantastic. I bet I can guess what your final two are, though. Hmm. I have a very I have a very sneaking suspicion, but please, by all means, your your second favorite Jeff Goldblum film. Yeah, I think there's some there's some obvious outliers here that uh seem to be where I'm going with this. Well, I mean, you've got Cats and Dogs, Fallen Kingdom, Lost World, and Independence Day. So you got two spots left, and there's two movies that you haven't mentioned yet that I'm hoping you're still going to end up mentioning. I don't know. Am I? Am I? Yeah, yeah, I am. I am going to mention those. Um, First up, as my number two... <laughs> See, I walked right into that one, didn't I? Um, <laughs> We've been I'm, dodging and ducking it all episode, and then you're like, my number two. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I, I deserve that. I absolutely deserved it. I My num, my second one 
is none other than Jurassic Park. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you you pulled a sneaky on me. I did. Oh. I thought long and hard about this, but this is this is where I went with it. Oh. Wow. Interesting. Okay, so uh, please please just justify why this one is only at the second spot. It it's largely because I like the number 1 spot a lot and I do mean a lot. Um and maybe, you know, Jeff Goldblum's roles in these particular films aren't necessarily comparable. Jurassic Park obviously bigger bigger film and a, a bigger role for him and he's fantastic. Um but, you know, I'll explain why number 1 is number 1, but number 2 is is a phenomenal film. It's it's literally one of the best films ever and you know he just totally, you know, I think the movie would not work, at least not as well without him, because he's such an, a pivotal part of adding some humor, adding some levity, but also adding just this cynicism about it that he's in there. And also, he's not just a wisecracking dude. Like, he has some, like, the, 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 the dinner scene, you know, where he lays down that, you know, that, that really, the, 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 those infamous words. You know, your your scientists were so preoccupied with what they could do, they didn't stop thinking about what they should. And, like, that's, like, excellent. That's an excellent quote. Like, one, that quote, that's one of the best movie quotes ever because it's so dang true and so and so real for the real world. Um, and that's what's great about Ian Malcolm. That's what's great about his character is that, you know, like I said, he is this wonky, zany guy, but at the same time, he plays it. He can lay it on. He can provide this really kind of balanced, emotional, um, very realistic performance. And I think he's underrated as an actor. Even how all you know, all the love that he gets, I still don't think he gets enough credit for being such a great, nuanced actor. And he pulls no punches in Jurassic Park. This is very true. This is very true. I And I think what's interesting is... Um, the the way that he is able to bring about the charisma of his character from the book and bring it to life in the in the movie is one area that cannot really be understated you you read about who dr malcolm is and and what he does and what he represents and and you you see most of that and then some brought across in goldblum's portrayal and like you said, he, he brings some wisdom like the dinner scene and like the scene with uh, where, he, where he mentions how life finds a way. But, you know, at the same time, he's got a, a scene with the, with the T-Rex getting loose where he's like, boy, do I hate being right all the time. <laughs> like, it, it's this weird that. blend of humor and humility where he's like, just once I would like to be wrong, you know? Just, just, just yep. once. Yep. Can we please have a normal day? But that never happens. And even so, he still finds a way to take it in stride. And I mean that with as much of a pun as possible, considering he gets bitten in the leg. But he he's just a fun character, and that's why he's my number one. 
you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just say it because that's that's your number two and this is my number one. Uh, Jurassic Park is just one of those movies that, to me, even with the dated computers in the science labs, it's one of those movies that just feels very timeless. And it's because of the accessible and relatable characters, as much as it is the animation and the animatronics for the dinosaurs. You've got different personality types, and somebody's able to relate to at least one of them. There's a lot of people that are more on the extroverted side of things that relate to Goldblum. There are some people that are more on the the quiet, reserved side of things, yet takes care of business when it has to get done, that kind of resonate with Sam Neill and Dr. Grant's character. Mm -hmm. So it's just a great movie for starters, but then... Ian Malcolm is just a fantastic character. And you're right. This movie would not be what it is without him in it. Like, try and picture Jurassic Park without Jeff Goldblum. And it just doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah. I, I really don't know any other way to put it. Like, that movie would not be what it is if it didn't have what Jeff Goldblum brought to the table. Yeah, he he's a huge part of it. He's a huge part of what makes that movie so great and what makes Jurassic Park Jurassic Park. Right. Right. Whereas the character that you're about to talk about for your number one could potentially be replaced by somebody else and the movie would still exist and still make sense. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I, I think you're... We'll, we'll see about that. But... uh. For my number one, I think you could guess it from here on out, um, it's Thor Ragnarok. It is the Grandmaster. And that movie, I, I, I disagree there. I think Grandmaster, he isn't as big of a part, but he's still important, and he's still a pivotal part of it. And he's so good. This is a completely different side of Jeff Goldblum as an actor, and he has so much good material and, you know, he's definitely just basically playing himself. Like, if you watch The World According to Jeff Goldblum and you watch Thor Ragnarok, it's the same guy, same <laughs> character. <laughs> there's, there's no difference. It's just in one, he's wearing these robes and, you know, he's got like, you know, this weird hair. And in the other one, he's just wearing semi-normal clothes. But he, he still, he, he dresses very differently he's very trendy guy this jeff goldblum so he's not dressing like us mortals he's he's dressing like a higher like a god but uh he's grandmaster is just so good and all the jokes and um you know he's such a perfect foil for this because i I, and it's great that first scene that you see him you know and thor is introduced to him and thor is just such a pedantic you know he's so just uptight and especially in that and and thor ragnarok is this great movie that's about so much development of thor but at that point he is so just like he wants to kick everyone's ass and take names and the grandmaster is just getting under his skin and grandmaster doesn't care lord of thunder (laughs) keeps (laughs) digging digging that that into him and it's perfect. And the Grandmaster is one of my all-time favorite Marvel characters. And I would love to see more of him. Apparently, he's brother of 
the uh, of Tanelier Tavan, the collector from Guardians of the Galaxy. So uh, you need to bring those two back. But Benicio del Toro and Jeff Goldblum on screen at the same time playing those characters would be amazing. Please do it, Marvel. Boy, you could have like an entire movie about the two of them sitting across from each other having a little family reunion. Give them a Disney Plus show where it's just them doing nothing. It's just, it's like they the world are, according to Jeff Goldblum, except it's those two just doing random crap. They are the hosts of a new Late Show. Yeah, exactly. You see what I did there? It all, it all kind of came full circle a little bit there. That would be that would be fantastic. Um, uh, here, here's here's the thing. I love his appearance in Ragnarok. I, I loved that when the movie released, he uh, he was talking to reviewers and he said, uh, 10 out of 10 Goldblums. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you can use your own name for a rating system. If I was to give something 5 out of 5 Arnold's, people would think I was playing golf or having like sweet tea mixed with lemonade. <laughs> Like, I can't do that, but he can. 10 out of 10 Goldblums. And uh, he did that on the on this TV show, too, asking people what he rated uh, his food out of Goldblums. And we'll get to that in a, in a second here. But um, you're right that he's very flashy. He's very flamboyant. He's very out there and different. Um, but there are other actors that can be flashy and flamboyant and out there and different that could play the role of the Grandmaster, I feel like. I am glad that it's Goldblum. I I am excited that he got to shine in this role. But, I mean, at the same time, you probably could have had uh, Steve Martin or Jerry Seinfeld or somebody like that playing a, a quirky, never-dying type of character, and it probably would have still made sense. Yeah, I... Strongly disagree. We're going to continue the disagreements from last week, <laughs> but uh, I disagree. There's no only one who can play the Grandmaster, and it's Jeff Goldblum. Jeff freaking Goldblum. I also, I, I love also, him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna suggest that we change our planet score rating system this week to Goldblums. Oh, are we, are we rating the episode or are we rating our movies? You know what? I was completely blank there. I'm I'm so used to doing plan scores at the end, but uh, I'm just gonna say right now, this episode, eleven out of ten gold blooms. <laughs> uh, well, there's a particular episode of television that we've been uh, talking about getting to, and we will actually get to in just a second here. But in continuation of this talk about the Grandmaster, I think it's only fitting that. We use a Grandmaster quote as our quote of the night. Absolutely. He, Ragnarok was mentioned several times over in people's lists. Uh, it's on both of our lists. I have a strong feeling it's going to be on Jake's list whenever he does get that into us. Um, so this is this is one of one of my favorite um, Grandmaster sequences, and it's it's simply hilarious. And it's one of those things that when I went back and watched it, when we were trying to decide on the quote of the night, I went and watched this one little scene and was like, oh my gosh, this is this is just Jeff Goldblum. Like, he's not scripted. He's just doing stuff, and they're recording it. And 
Just him. Calling it a take. Like, that's it. All right, people, go to lunch. But uh, I'm going to shut up, and you can have a listen. This is one of the post credit scenes from Thor Ragnarok. The, the people of the planet have staged a revolution, and they've found the Grandmaster's hiding place. And now he's got to try and find a way to smooth talk his way out of it, because if not, he could be in pretty big trouble. So, folks, here is tonight's quote of the night. Oh, I just, I gotta say, I'm proud of you all. This revolution has been a huge success. Yay us. Pat, pat on the back. Pat on the back. Come on. No? Me too, because I've been a, a big part of it. Can't have a revolution without somebody to overthrow. So, uh, you're welcome. And, uh, it's a tie. It's a tie. <laughs> I love his logic. I love his logic. Well, you can't have a revolution without someone to overthrow. He's got points. <laughs> but how does that make it a tie? <laughs> it's like, good job, guys. Good job. Pat pat yourself on the back. Pat on the back. <laughs> no? Nobody? That's <laughs> why you don't walk out of a Marvel movie until the credits are done, because you miss gold like that. <laughs> this revolution has been a big success. Pat yourself on the back. <laughs> it's a tie. <laughs> I love the thing I love the thing he does with his eyes when he first says you know, he starts talking and he just like, you know, dips his chin, he looks around and like look at his body language. He does the exact same stuff in the world according to Jeff Goldblum. Exact same stuff. <laughs> yes. He'll just stop mid sentence and just kinda of look around real weird and like and just go about it and just act like, you know, mm, I'm thinking or whatever. Um, he's Goldblum. It's it's just like, it's space Goldblum. Uh, it really is. It really is. And so now to actually talk about this episode of The World According to Jeff Goldblum, it's time for us to get out our hashtags once again. If you're listening live, put it in the chat on channel1138.com. If you're not and you're listening through one of our other platforms, then put it on social media. You can put it on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. That's where most of us are uh, actively hanging out. Uh, but if you found us through StarWarsUnderworld.com or through Apple Podcasts or uh, Google Play or Podbean or wherever else, then get out those hashtags because it is time, one more time, for hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. Okay, one thing I have to mention listening back to that is when I was watching Independence Day <laughs> and when he gets shot down by the alien spacecraft and he's out in the desert and he's very angry, very angry. 
as Will Smith does. He's pissed off. He's kicking the alien. He's doing all this kind of stuff. And he blurts out, I could have been in a barbecue! <laughs> directly from that. I love it. I'm perked up. I'm like, oh, I've heard that before. <laughs> well, I will say, this... Um... This episode of The World According to Jeff Goldblum has made me reconsider whether we need a new Barbecue Watch intro. I'm thinking the same thing, honestly. I'm wondering. Because there's a lot of mentions about barbecue and how to distinguish it, and he says the word barbecue several times over. Like, There's some lot of like wise, like really like deep stuff about barbecue in this episode. He He does. He asks a lot of really thorough and intelligent questions. Um, but it's kind of broken up into four different segments from the way uh, I was able to understand it. And, and you can correct me if, if I've missed anything in this. But uh, I, think he, so. I, think, he, I think you got it. I just, I just watched it earlier today. He, he, he starts out by wanting to learn some of the basics about barbecue. And he, he hangs out with uh, these, this group called the Barbecue Pit Boys, I think is what they call themselves. And it honestly looks like the barbecue version of Duck Dynasty. <laughs> I love how Goldblum is like, oh my gosh, I, I, I've stumbled into this thing. It looks like the Oak Ridge Boys. <laughs> I thought I was meeting ZZ Top for a minute there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so he learns about the basics of barbecue from these good old boys. And and he learns about rubs and he learns about the, the slow cooking versus the fast grilling of barbecuing and grilling. Um, he, he He learns about... Uh, you know why they do what they do, and you know the uh, the nature of the beast, and and the the preparation of it all, and the the uh, was it the anticipation combined with the satisfaction that you were able to make that, and people that you love were able to enjoy it. Like learns a lot of really interesting things from these guys about just some introductory elements of the essence of barbecue, which was really cool. Yeah. Also, he kind of addressed the kind of the whole thing about like people kind of get confused with like barbecue as in backyard grilling versus like slow smoked barbecue. Right. And Goldblum, Goldblum addresses that. He's like, Hey, what's the difference here? What's the whole thing? And the guy explains it as, Hey, this is, you know, barbecue as in your backyard stuff. That's burgers, hot dogs, pretty much anything grilled. And then your slow smoke stuff is your more hardcore barbecue, I guess. Um, and that, that's a great explanation. Um, I never heard it put that way before, but like that's exactly what it is. Yeah. But uh, it goes through some great, and there's some really tasty looking stuff they go through in this little segment. Oh. And yeah. there's some massive ribs, and he, he, of course, there's there's it's chock full of Jurassic Park references. Oh, this whole um, episode is full of Jurassic Park references. And the first one is they keep talking about these dinosaur ribs. I'm like, ah, okay, whatever, <laughs> dinosaur ribs. I get it. You know, beef ribs are generally bigger than normal ribs, but there were gargantuan oh ribs here. Oh my gosh, those ribs that they got at the end of that segment were enormous. Like they were the size of Jeff's forearm, pretty much. Like, enormous, enormous ribs. And he got to work on them. You know, he was cutting, he was putting the rub on them, he was placing them on the cooker. You know, he was doing a lot of the the type of prep work that you're supposed to do. So he got some really good hands-on training, but he kept going to the side for, like, these little sidebar interviews, almost like the office style, where you just kind of, like, go to the side and do, like, a little 
interlude or whatever. And, you know, I, I get it. But I think I would have enjoyed just watching him hang out with those guys for hours. Like, yeah, just, just, I, give yeah me, that was... just give me the raw, yeah. unedited footage of all of those guys hanging out together. Yeah, I, I, I like that too. I also like that it didn't, the episode didn't drag in any place. I felt like he, they were legitimately trying to like explore different types of barbecue and stuff like that. And, you know, he stuck with these guys for a few minutes and got thing and they were really fascinating, but you know, got what he wanted out of that. He moved on to something else. And, and I appreciated that because I feel like it, it might've gotten old and, and it was like, you know, this kind of exploration of barbecue and you're kind of getting into perspectives and some stuff that we get to later that, you know, I, you know, I didn't know existed and it was really educational. Well, yeah. And that's, that's kind of why he made this show in the first place (laughs) was to, to kind of broaden the horizons and do some, some education aspect side of things. But at the same time, he's also, looking at the societal aspect of barbecue. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a communal aspect of, of, you know, seeing other people enjoy the, the fruit of your works and stuff like that. But, you know, he couldn't help notice that there weren't any barbecue pit girls in that first segment. He's like, well, where's, where's the women folk. And so part of his venture in this next segment was to try and find somebody that's involved in the world of barbecue that's also a woman. Right. And that 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 was an interesting approach looking at the the equality side of food preparation because, you know, maybe it's not just all guys that know how to barbecue. Maybe it's uh it's girls too or androgynous or whatever you want to identify as. It's not a strictly male participating event. That's probably a a predominant nature of it, but it's not exclusive you know yeah and i i i like the like the diversity here not just the idea of okay we did something with some dudes and now we're gonna do something with a girl like it was about like hey here are these really hardcore like you know bearded white dudes who are just all about grilling and they're all about doing it old school or whatever and then you switch to stephanie so who is this korean um uh lady who um does barbecue and all this kind of crazy stuff and does it on a youtube channel so you've completely gone a completely different direction yeah in regards to like the type of stuff and then she's talking about you know doing stuff for a youtube channel and have a following there and a completely different thing so i, I like that they really good pacing on the, on the behalf of the episode where you're getting some different perspectives that you're not necessarily expecting yeah yeah and and what's funny is i think stephanie was a little starstruck like I, I honestly think she. I mean, who wouldn't be? Like, but, but I mean, the boys weren't. They were just some good old boys that were just hanging out with a with another dude that was trying to learn about barbecue from them. But like Stephanie, she she didn't know whether to wave at Jeff or to hug him or how to address him. Like at one point, she asked, "What do I call you?" <laughs> like just straight up, and it reminded. Oh, and she and I love how she's like. We usually don't call older people. And she stops herself. <laughs> yeah, she catches herself. She's like, "Oops." She's, she's trying to. She's trying to express to him, like, "Hey, in Korean culture, we normally don't like refer to people older than us." 
you know, by their first name, we usually be more respectful. Yeah. He's older than us. He just looks at the camera like, oh my He's God. Just like, uh-uh. He's like, I didn't mean it like that. Exactly. And then she has to backpedal. And then, like, she he, he asks her what cut of meat he thinks her to be, uh, or she thinks him to be. And he he thinks that he's like a, a lean like a, a lean cut of, of beef and she looks at him and goes, Eh, you're probably a pork belly <laughs> And he just looks his, his whole his whole thing is just anytime something happens he just stares weirdly into the camera. <laughs> and I love it. I am so here for it. That's why I watched this. Is like, are the, you are you hearing what I'm hearing? Are you seeing this? Come if, on! If the if the if the man was able to break down the fourth wall in his movies, a la Deadpool, I know that he would, and it would be freaking hilarious. But <laughs> oh my gosh, like that look was just—it was like a combination of hurt and like I'm not that fat, am I? <laughs> like, why would you call me a pork belly? Oh my gosh. And then, and then here's the other thing. I, I think that Jeff Goldblum has become like the 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 premier face of sarcasm. Like uh-huh. he he brings sarcasm across without even trying. Because I, honest to God, think there are times during his video segment with Stephanie when she's YouTubing and stuff that he's actually making fun of her. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I honestly thought that there were times where he wasn't participating to play along. He was participating to, like, make fun of her. Because when she was doing the outro and saying, be sure to hit like, be sure to hit subscribe, and as always, we'll see you next time. And, like, she's, like, waving with, like, each of her individual fingers, and then he, like, starts waving with his fingers, and he goes, and, uh, we've got dancing fingers, apparently. (laughs) I just lost it. Oh, my God, that's funny. I just lost it. I'm like, he has no idea what's going on. But he's being a good sport about it. And then when they did the little sidebar interview from the from the from the street level, like after they left, he's like, There are people who cook food and eat food in front of other people on a camera. So that's that's really something. You know what? You know what? Here's the deal. He's being a boomer. He's in full boomer mode. But I also kind of see where he's coming from. Oh, I definitely see it. Because if you were to describe this to somebody else, it honestly wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. It'd be like, oh, yeah, there's this really cute girl who makes videos and people watch her eat food in front of the camera. Like, did you know that that's a fetish? I have heard of mukbang before. I've heard of this thing where you just get a bunch of food and you just sit down and eat it. And it doesn't surprise me. Like people oh. pe- we live in a world where people like me love to watch other people play video games. Yeah. Like yeah. that is weird if you think about it. But like it's just there. And I've actually watched these videos and like it's kind of entertaining and it also makes you hungry. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. I, I and I don't know. Maybe if it was like an instructional course on how to prepare something, and you know, you're not just eating the food. I can kind of see that, but there there are some video stations out there where like 
all she's doing is, I'm not saying Stephanie does this, but there are other video stations that I've heard of where the girl will be like scantily dressed and oh, there's yeah, just that like happens. there's like a pallet of food out in front of her and she just like eats everything seductively for hours like live streaming. Yeah. All that happens like, you know, Twitch streamers like that. Like, they know their audience. This... They know it's like, <sighs> you know, 10% like people who are legitimately invested in the content they're going for. And then 90% just thirsty dudes. Yep. Yep. That That is how Belle But Delphine... Stephanie Sue seemed pretty cool. And she seemed like, it almost felt like a, like a online cooking show in a way. Like, she was like cooking the food. She eats it. She tells stories and whatever. Like that. That's that's like old school. Like it's Julia Child. Like in the future. Now. On, online Martha Stewart. Exactly. Uh, I'm kind of torn on it. I'm probably more on the boomer side of things, but maybe it's just the green-eyed monster getting to me, being like, "Okay, how in the hell does this girl have like a million subscribers about prepping food, and I've never had like, I've never had one viral video." Okay, boomer. <laughs> oh man! It's... But the next, the next segment really, really went off the rails. Yeah, like, I really wasn't it, expecting this. And like, I, I like the fact that he like addressed like, okay, we're in a new age now. We're more conscientious. We're no, we we realize the fact that yeah, eating meat and all this kind of stuff. Some of the times it's unhealthy. Maybe it's even detrimental to the environment to a degree, but it's it's still there are other alternatives. And I totally respect we've talked about vegans and stuff on, on this podcast more than once. We've had our friends on that we're gonna go see next week. Chris and all those guys, they're into veganism, and I totally respect them for doing that. But this takes it even further than veganism because Holy crap, I didn't know pe- there's people that eat three meals a day of crickets. Yeah. Yeah. This is a bit much. Yeah, I mean, okay, so I I have heard that crickets are really high in protein, and, and I have heard that cricket farming could be sustainable. I've also heard of, like, algae farming and stuff, though, too, for, like, oxygen purposes. But... If if I was if I was given the choice between beef and crickets, there's no way crickets are winning. It, it, no, it's it's just not. And I'm sorry. You could give you could honestly give me say here's a piece of cardboard, and here's a pile of crickets. Which would you like? And I'd be like, give me some ketchup with my cardboard. I'll pretend it's a Totino's. Like, I can imagine eating a piece of cardboard. I can't even imagine putting freaking crickets in my mouth. I've I've heard that they're high in protein and that sometimes they taste kind of like peanuts. I and don't care how much protein is in those things. I ain't eating you them. Can, you can dip them in chocolate and make it, like, less horrifying. That makes it even worse to me. But, Ugh. I mean, I just don't think I'd ever be able to chew them up enough to actually remind myself that this isn't a cricket that I'm biting down on. That's the thing is I'm a texture person. I've yes. talked about this before, yes. and the texture of that in your mouth is just, oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. On the flip side of things, I actually had actual barbecue for supper tonight, and it was awesome. I had um, really? 
I had no I had I had some I had some brisket, some potato salad, some baked beans. Uh, I toasted up some potato bread and made it into a sandwich. Found some dill pickle slices and made like a, a barbecue sandwich. Um, got some flautas from the local Mexican restaurant down the street and oh, had God. some flautas and guacamole too. Like that was a that was a good supper and it was cricketless. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, the yeah, last that, that sounds good to me. Yeah, and and then the last segment, I really didn't get because it was more about grilling than it was barbecuing, and the stuff that he was grilling wasn't even meat. It was like cauliflower patties and mushroom sliders and stuff like that. They were calling them cauliflower steaks, and what they did was they took like giant pieces of cauliflower and like cut them into strips that are like steak size. And then threw them on a grill and grilled them. And then, I, I mean, I don't know. It was kind of like, it was pretty, you know, practical for what they were doing it for. Because they were like at a fire department, like selling this on the street at a 4th of July festival. Yeah. Um, and uh, I also caught his uh, Goldblum saying, Happy Independence Day. I'm like, I know, I see what you did there. I understood that reference, Goldblum. <laughs> yeah, they did an Independence Day reference. And then the cricket people, they had a whole bunch of team of scientists and the, the head scientist guy was like, our team of scientists were preoccupied with not only whether or not we could, but whether or not we should. I love that Goldblum just stops right there. He's like <laughs> legitimately taken back. Like he goes, did you seriously just reference Jurassic Park? Did you seriously just do that? The guy saw an opportunity and he took advantage of it. I was so proud. So great, so great, and Goldblum's like, oh, oh, he just, he <laughs> he's just, flustered, he like, expecting like it. he doesn't know how to respond. It was brilliant. <laughs> oh man, that's, that's that but, guy. But, that guy deserves an award. Oh, that. he does. And, and all in all, it was interesting to take a look at all of this. To to take a look at traditional barbecue, Korean barbecue, and vlogging. Uh, looking at what the possible sustainable alternatives are, and then looking at veggie grilling and things like that. Yeah, like you know, he he's become a grill master now. He feels confident in his grilling abilities around his family, and I think that's great. I think now he can contribute to you know what he can contribute to, and maybe you know he'll use some sustainable alternatives. Maybe he'll just you know slow cook some some chicken wings or something. Who knows? But he learned something and we learned something. And I think that's the beauty of the world. According to Jeff Goldblum is it's entertaining, but at the end of the day, you also come away learning something too. Yeah, exactly. And it's a, you know, it obviously it's a reality show. It's, it's, it's kind of set up and everything like that, obviously. But at the same time, you, you feel like, you know, he's, he's, he's going through a, a discovery you know, a journey of discovery, and he's yep. also, you know, I think it's legitimate. I think they just, like, someone realized Jeff Goldblum just does this stuff. It just happens. Like, he would be doing this anyway if he didn't have a camera crew following him around, so you may as well just follow him around and capture this on film because it is fascinating. It really is. It really, really is. And we had a fascinating time looking at that barbecue element. Hopefully... That little synopsis kind of intrigues you enough to give it a try. Uh, yeah. 
I need to get caught up on the rest of the series. I really only watched the barbecue episode, so I would know what I was talking about. <laughs> right. So, I am not nearly caught up enough on Disney Plus stuff. I've been watching The Mandalorian. That's about it. Yep. And we gave our thoughts on The Mandalorian. And we're looking forward to next week's episode of The Mandalorian. And potentially next week's episode of The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Who knows? But uh, we are kind of pressed for time here, so... Uh, we're going to say some thank you to folks for, for tuning in and to be sure to continue tuning in on social media. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IPC Podcast. We're going to do our best to be more active on those platforms in the coming days because we're both going to be tripping out to uh, the Los Angeles area for the premiere of The Rise of Skywalker. And yeah. so uh, probably going to be updating the Instagram story a little bit more, probably going to be uh, updating the Twitter feed a little bit more and uh, letting you know about all the different podcast appearances we're going to be making and such. A week from now, we will be in Los Angeles, potentially podcasting like at this very moment a week from now. Who knows? Um, yeah. But it's it's shaping up to be a really, really fun, really busy weekend. So find us there and find us on our own social media platforms. Uh, go find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zach, Z-A-C underscore D-F-W. Go find Ben on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ben Hart with no E. I can guarantee you there's going to be tons of social media updates in the coming days about all the fun that is still to be had. It's going to be amazing. And yes, we will, uh, on the podcasting side, definitely keep an eye on your feeds We'll definitely try to drop some stuff. Uh, the tentative plan right now is obviously we're going to be doing some uh, instant reactions to uh, The Rise of Skywalker on Thursday night because we're going to be seeing the movie that night at the Chinese Theater. If you're in the area, stop by. Yeah, it says because that, I, we can, I guarantee you at like 6 or 7 o'clock or actually that whole day we're going to just be hanging out at the Chinese Theater. So uh if uh, if you're in the area, if you're gonna be there, please hit us up. Come 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 check us out because it's just an amazing experience all its own. But when we're there, it makes it even better. And uh, then later in the week, I believe it's on Saturday, we have tentative plans to do some major podcasting. So about the movie, do a whole do a whole big breakdown as as we've done as we've made a tradition out of for the past few years. So that's gonna be a heck of a lot of fun. So definitely keep an eye on your feeds, keep an eye on social media, but also don't look at social media. Try to try to like look at our feed, but don't look anywhere else because I'm not kidding you guys. The movie's out there. There's spoilers abound. There's spoilers in the TV spots. There's spoilers. Just I believe the whole script showed up on Reddit on Star Wars leaks. So oh dear, it is a dangerous minefield of spoilers out there. So if you don't want to get spoiled, I would recommend. Uh, limiting yourself, deleting that, delete that Twitter and Facebook app if you want to, and then come back after you've seen the movie. Oof, yeah, might not be the worst idea ever, but be sure to keep your podcasts app open. Go follow the IPC podcast. Go follow the Star Wars Underworld. Uh, we'll be doing updates from both of those platforms, and go uh, bookmark StarWarsUnderworld.com, and uh, we'll have updates there as well bookmark ipcpodcast.podbean.com we'll be uploading stuff there as well and uh, yeah just try and stay in the loop as best you can and hopefully we'll be seeing you around a week from now as we get ready to discuss the rise of Skywalker and uh, Ben I'll be seeing you in about 
four days time from now. I will literally be seeing you in about four days. Like, I think we're meeting at the airport because our planes are coming in in like an hour apart. So yeah. we're going to we're gonna do a ride share. Yeah, boy. And then it's just going to be one thrill ride after another, literally and figuratively. All yeah. that is still to come in the adventures of the IPC podcast gang. But I do believe, Ben, unless you got anything else on the docket, that that's going to wrap things up for tonight. I believe that is it. And I just want to take a chat, take a second to uh, thank everyone for listening. I might not get another chance to do this because, I, I, as you know, we're going to be kind of, it's going to be kind of a unpredictable wild ride after this. This, this is, is kind true. of our last full regular episode for the year after uh, after the Rise of Skywalker review. We will be off. Um, but we've had an amazing year. And that year has been amazing thanks to you guys for listening and supporting us uh not just with your money as your patrons but just general listeners your facebook comment your tweets everything we appreciate it and we'll see you guys in 2020 it'll be awesome wow what a crazy thought we're getting ready for an ipc slate in 2020 my gosh so many great adventures and still so many left to uh, be had i will say however i'm hoping that before 2020 we can get to 20,000 listens Ooh, yeah i just looked at our podbean site and it's showing that we've got 19,236 listens Wow. 19,236 total listens since we published on Podbean. And usually our crossover special gets a lot of listens. So I feel like it's not outside the realm of possibility for us to get to 20K before 2020. That would be amazing. Do it! We'll see what happens. Be sure to share that link around ipcpodcast.podbean.com. And yes, a big thank you to everybody that contributed to the 2019 calendar year of podcasts. We're looking forward to podcasting for you in 2020. And we're looking forward to discussing the rise of Skywalker with the gang at Channel 1138 next week. But until that time comes around, for Benjamin Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for tuning in. We hope that you'll tune in again sometime real soon. But before that time comes around, we're just going to leave you with this closing thought strength of character can defeat strength in numbers and we hope to see a number of you next time right here on ipc but until then good night everyone
Hey guys, Zach here one more time. Uh, I know that you just heard my voice for like two hours and you probably don't want to hear it again, but you're going to hear it for just a couple of minutes anyways. Uh, I just almost forgot and I, I literally started talking about it with Ben after we wrapped the show and realized that during our barbecue segment, it completely slipped my mind that uh, I was supposed to be giving a shout out as well to Rob's barbecue on the side. I had written it down like in a mental note in my head and then it got erased from all the Goldblum discussion. In the midst of all that, I completely neglected to mention that Ben's family is celebrating 20 years of barbecuing down in the southern Mississippi area, which is a huge accomplishment for any small business to be around for 20 years and bringing out the same awesome quality product for every single one of those years. It's just unprecedented. It's amazing. It's fantastic. And it also helps that the food is also fantastic. I'm speaking from experience. I went to Rob's barbecue on the side back in 2015 when we went to go see the force awakens and the memory of those ribs still sits with me today. So if you're ever in the Gulf Coast area and you're looking for some really good food, be sure to go check out Rob's Barbecue on the side because I can guarantee you that the Hart family will take care of you and I can guarantee you that they will keep taking care of you for a long time to come. Congratulations, you guys, on 20 years in the business and here's to many, many more for you, hopefully, in the not-too-distant future. 